Good morning. My name is Pastor Braley. I'm uh, the family pastor here at Bethany, and uh, I get to hang out with you today because Pastor's on a well-deserved vacation uh, down in Houston. Yes, most definitely, honestly. And uh, so I get to hang out with you a little bit today and and, uh, talk to you for a bit, and we're going to get into some really fun stuff today. We're going to talk a little bit, and uh, hopefully by the end, you will be challenged if I can get my iPad to open. All right. So anyway, I want to first off say, start off by saying thank you to Pastor for allowing me to be able to uh, come up and speak and be able to share my heart and, uh, and speak on one of these uh, fivefold ministry pieces that we've been breaking down. Uh, it takes a lot of confidence for a leader to step out of the spotlight for a moment and let someone else jump into that. And uh, it really does. It's, it's not the easiest thing to do because you're always afraid they may not do it like I do it or the way I do it. Uh, but pastor's confident in the way that he leads. And, uh, and he set me up for pretty good success through this. So uh, when I, uh, I asked him, could you help me out with some notes? Because we're kind of diving in a little bit deeper. We're not just kind of sharing our heart, but we're kind of going in a little bit of information here, trying to get some knowledge of, of what each one of these fivefold ministry pieces are. Uh, I asked him, I said, can you, uh, can you hook me up with some notes? Maybe some, you know, unlear- you know, give me some inside information. Help me out. Uh, and he brought this to me right here. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I was like, uh, I was like, this costs like $10. Why in the world did you make this? And uh, he, he was like, well, he's like, I was trying to figure out what notes to give you. I just printed the entire book. Literally, this is the entire book. Uh, well, not literally. It's, it's almost the entire book, though. Uh, I don't even know if this is legal, in all honesty, if you even, you're supposed to do this. But uh, he gave me this, and he's, I was like, did you even underline anything in there? And he's like, well, you know, point out that. That's some good stuff there. And uh, there's some good stuff here and, and some good stuff over there. And I'm like, okay, all right. So uh, I read the entire thing, and uh, pretty much the entire I skimmed it pretty good. Uh, and there's some good stuff in here. But uh, Pastor's just, you know, he's a great guy. He always, he's always there to set us up and help us in any way he can. And, and uh, he— he did. He helped me out a lot. There's a lot of information there that we're going to talk about today. And uh, Pastor's good at helping people out. I, I just recently uh, opened a brand new resale shop. His, his garage sale was fantastic. <laughs> it was a good input. I'm just kidding. I did not open a, I did not open a resale shop. Uh, someone else did. I'm just joking now about that too. Kind of. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, he's a great guy. Just honestly a great guy with a caring heart, with lots of dreams and vision. And, uh, and with that dreams and vision, the reason why we're jumping into this series is because we need your help to make these dreams and vision happen. Everybody say, I'm a part of this. Now I want you to say it like you mean it. Say, I'm a part of this. You see, we need to work together. And so we're going to kind of recap just real quick some of the things that we've learned in the past couple of weeks uh, and the very first thing that we've talked about and that we've learned that I want to make sure that you understand completely. See, in kids' ministry, uh, we, uh, we, we give all the good information right up front because we know we only have their attention span so long. So I'm going to do the same kind of thing uh, with you guys. Not saying you're kids, but yeah, we're all little kids, you know, in, in our hearts. We're all kids. Uh, but anyway, first off, real quick, just let me explain this before I get into this. Uh, I'm a family pastor now. I, used, I was the kid's pastor, and I just want to make sure everybody understands this. I mean, you may have heard this, and you would be like, I'm not exactly sure what family pastor means. And let me just kind of just swipe the crowd real quick and just tell you, 
what Family Pastor is. Basically, I oversee everything that ministers to birth through graduation and all the leaders that lead those pieces. Um, it's a big task. It's a challenging task. It's, uh, it, it's a different level for me, and, and, it, and it's challenging at times. Uh, but I've got a great team. We've got great teams that are a part of our kids' ministry and a part of our, our uh, preschool ministry and a part of our, our youth ministry, and they are just killing it. We've got people like Aubrey, which is my wife. She's amazing. Uh, she, she leads our early childhood. Yes, give her, the, give her that applause. She'll, she wouldn't want it, but she deserves it. Uh, not only does she take care of the, uh, the preschool and all the early childhood stuff at, at here, she also keeps me on my toes and helps me. Uh, so she, she's a big help to my life. Uh, but she, she does an amazing job there. We have an amazing elementary director, which is Ivy Smith. She is stepping into that role, yes. I mean, she, I have felt for years that she has had a calling on her life, and she is just acting in it and learning and growing and just doing amazing stuff down there with her elementary students. And of course, Pastor Casey, I mean, guy is killing it in youth ministry, yeah. Rocking it out in there. Things are happening in there that's just, it's amazing to see and be a part of, and just life change is happening everywhere. Um, and then also BCC with Chris Sharp leading that. I get to help lead those pieces there. And the cool part about that is we're trying to connect those pieces back together. There was kind of a severing in the past years of, of you do your thing, I do mine, and we're trying to bring that back together where we can empower that as a ministry, connecting to the people in our community. So uh, just some amazing things happening. My heart, my heart is to see kids grow and to love church and to keep moving forward. And also my heart is, though, I want to see the parents be the spiritual leaders of their home again. I, I, the church isn't the place, the church isn't the main source of Christian knowledge for kids. It's the parents. And so one of my hearts, one of my things is I want to empower parents to be able to talk about what they learned on Sunday, to, to lean into it, and to grow with their kids and help them grow in their spiritual walk. But I won't go any more into that, but that just give you a little bit of insight there on those pieces. Uh, so the we're going to talk a little bit about what we've learned the past couple of weeks. Uh, the first thing we learned is that we are better together. Now, I brought some object lessons with me today uh, because I'm a kids pastor at heart. That's where I came from, and I don't get to speak very often up here, so I just brought all the object lessons at once. That's basically what I did. I got, I got several of them, or a couple of them. Uh, so we are better together. Everybody say, we are better, we are better. Together. together. That's more than just a nice statement. It is the calling of the church. It's who we are. We are meant to work together. Now, pastor has leaned into all these immune systems and, 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 and system systems and, and, and cardiovascular systems. From where I'm from, kids ministry, that would just go right over kids' heads. So I brought my bicycle. I brought my bicycle. My, my, there it is. This is my 1990 Ross Diamond Cruiser. Somewhere in the 1990s. I'm not exactly sure which, which part. I, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty, pretty retro, pretty, uh, pretty hipster right now. Not really. This was, not really. This was, this was literally 25 bucks on Adrian Grotz sale, so I bought it. I was like, I need a bike, and this one looked pretty cool. I was like, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll ride on that. That looks pretty neat. Seat super comfortable. Uh, but I brought my bike. And the reason why I bought my, brought my bike is because a bike is a good view of the way the church should work. You see, we all, with this bike, 
all these parts that make up this bike are very important. Without any piece of these bike, of this bike, any piece of it, uh, it can be really hard to ride. And it's the same kind of thing with us in church. We are all a part of one big team. And if we are not all working together, it's like trying to use these handlebars without the rest of the bike. That would look pretty funny and wouldn't work very well. Or trying to ride the bike without the handlebars. That'd be tricky. Imagine riding the bike without the seat. That wouldn't be fun. You can't ride the bike without the wheels. The wheels have to be there, otherwise you're not going anywhere. Same thing with the pedals and the chain mechanism. If you don't have these things, any one of these things, the bike doesn't operate correctly. And it's the same thing with the church. We are all called to do something. We're all called to step forward and use the talents that God has given us. And when we don't operate and work together as a team, we don't operate correctly. We have to work together. We are better together. Let's be an example in our speech and action and life of loving one another. We're all in this together. You may come in here and you may be saying, that's great, but that's not for me. I, I'm just here because I'm just like checking off a box for the, for the week. I'm just here to just kind of learn and I'm going to go home and do my thing. That's great if you, everybody else wants to become a part and, and serve and, and go out and help grow the church and be part of that. That's just not for me. Let me tell you, if you think that way, I hate to break it to you, but that's the wrong way of thinking. It is. And it's what we're trying to push through with this series is, is get everybody to understand that you are a follower, not just a fan. That you're a part of this just as much as I am. You're a part of this just as much as the person sitting next to you. And that led us into the next thing we've learned. We learned that if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a minister of Jesus, right? If you've asked Jesus to live in your heart, then you are a minister. You may say, well, no, 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 that's not for me. I'm not, I'm, I, don't, I don't talk to people. I don't do that thing. I don't do that. That's fine. Your ministry may not be talking to people, and that's cool. But here's what we don't want. This is a sponge. Every time you come into here, into this church, you, you walk in, you come in, and you, you soak up all the information and all the knowledge and all the Bible teaching that is given to you. And then you go out amongst your week, and you do your thing, and you come back next week, and you keep trying to soak up more, Never actually taking what you're learning and helping push into a, a ministry or into a person that you work with. You're just holding it all in. That's not for me. I just learn. That's all I do is I learn. I just learn a whole bunch. I learn everything I can. That's great. For everybody out there that's washed dishes, what happens to a sponge when you leave water in it for a really long time? You wash your dishes. You don't wring your sponge out. My mom used to get so mad at me about that. What happens to it? It gets what? It gets gross. It gets stinky. So my goal this morning is to let you know, don't be a stinky sponge. <laughs> You're here to learn. 
the things that you learn when you walk out those doors, you're entering a mission field where you are supposed to take what you've learned and you're supposed to ring it out on the world around you. Share the inspiration, the excitement, the, the, the encouragement that you've gained from here. Your job is to take that out and place it somewhere else. Or maybe, you're, maybe you need to volunteer in the church so you can do a little bit more ringing out. Don't be a stinky sponge. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a minister of Jesus. The early church didn't see itself as sheep to be fed and cared for, but actually as followers called by God to be equipped to do ministry. Let me say that one more time. The early church didn't see itself as sheep to be fed and cared for, but actually as followers called by God to be equipped to do ministry. You are not just here to learn. You are here to be equipped. You are here to get the ammunition, to get the the encouragement, to get the strength that you need to be able to face your week, to be able to do what God has called you to do. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a minister of Jesus. So this morning, I want to ask you two questions that I want you to think about. I want you to keep them in the back of your mind. Two application questions. Something about me and the way I like to speak. I love, I love speaking on topics and things, but in the end, if there's not an applicable type step and a, a way to apply it to your life, then it's no good. I want you to be able to apply these things. So I want you to ask yourself these two questions. What am I called to do and how do I start? What am I called to do and how do I start? When I was thinking through these, when I was thinking through these, uh, these questions, I almost put three questions up there. I almost put, when do I start? But in all honesty, you guys are smart. You all know when. When do you need to start? Now. Yeah. We need to start now. We're only here for a certain amount of time. We need to start today. So we all know that answer. But these two questions may be questions that you struggled with. Maybe things you're asking yourself. Man, what am I called to do? What am I supposed to be doing in this whole system, this whole bicycle we call church? What is my place? What do I do? Ask God and he will show you. He'll lead you. And so in this, we've been, we've been trying to break down, we've been breaking down, we've been trying, we've been doing it. We've been breaking down the five-fold ministry. The five-fold ministry that, that Jesus calls us to. And it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ. He gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. It's a fivefold ministry. We all have characteristics probably from each one of these categories, but there's certain pieces that stand out a little bit more to us. They're a little bit more real to us. They're a little bit more like, yeah, I lean to that. I'm more of an apostle. I love the dream. So we've learned about apostles. Apostles, apostles are pioneers. They're designers. They're innovators, entrepreneurs. They like to build and design and grow things. And they, they like to build the systems and make sure things are operating and working. 
Maybe that's you. Maybe that week just stood out to you and went, man, that's me. That's the way I think. We need you. The kingdom needs you. Or maybe, maybe prophet. We've talked about prophets. Maybe that stood out to you. The, the artists, the seers, the reformers, the activists, the people that hear from God. Maybe that stood out to you. And you went, man, that's, that's me. And then today, we're going to break down the evangelist. The evangelist may be you. You never know. We're going to find out. We're going to break through, break, it, break down the evangelist piece, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. But I believe this. I believe everybody in this church is called to be a little bit of an evangelist. We're all called to share Jesus in some way. Some of us are just a little bit more called to it than others. Some of us, that's what drives us. That's what excites us, that, that we get to go out and tell people about Jesus. Sign me up. Give me a t-shirt. I'm ready to go. Sonny, I was thinking of you on that one. Literally, the entire time I was writing this message, I was thinking of Sonny. It was crazy. You want to learn how to be an evangelist? Just go talk to Sonny. But we're going to break it down. We're going to talk a little bit about evangelists. And uh, so that's what I'm going to focus on for the next few minutes. We're going to, we're going to focus on two pieces of evangelists. We're going to focus on the what, why, and how. I want you to know what an evangelist is. I want you to know why it's important. And I want, to know, I want you to know how they operate. Because if you know those pieces, then you know if that fits you or not. That's your thing and your calling and your piece. I want you to understand it completely. And then we'll break down the next piece. The next piece will be what's stopping me and how do I push through it? Because there's a lot of us in this room that we have evangelists calling on us, but there's things that, that stop us, that hinder us, that, that, that challenge us. How do we face those? How do we push through those? We're going to talk about that. I'm going to share kind of what I feel like God's laid on my heart to be able to handle those things. So that's what we're going to break down. So, Let's talk about what an evangelist is. Evangelists are all about getting the message out and getting a positive response from the audience. In many ways, the evangelist function is the church's inbuilt marketing program. The church is about, the evangelists are about sharing the vision and the excitement and Jesus. And they're about sharing what's going on in the church and they're excited about it and they're excited about you answering to it. They'll invite you to church. They'll tell you about Jesus. They're the front runners on those things. You know, when I think about evangelism, I think about a story in, in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It's just, if you want to turn to that, you can. And I'm going to read through the story real quick. I'm going to try my best to read as quickly as I can. But it's the story of Peter heals the lame beggar. And it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him, they gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, 
But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to be setting, set, used to set begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to, with, to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if, your own, if, if our own power or godliness has made, him, made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, even though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Let me tell you right now, Peter was preaching. And he was bringing it. He was... We are witnesses of all this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name, the faith that comes through him, that has completely healed him, as you all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. That time of refreshing may come from the Lord. I love this story because it's a great story of evangelism. It's a great story of him sharing Jesus. And what's so cool about this is not only did it affect the man that they talked to, but it ended up, if you know the story and where it goes, it ended up affecting over 5,000 people came to follow Christ. Just because Peter and John took the time to stop and listen and act on a calling of evangelism. Imagine the people that you live life around, the life change that could happen for them if you would just stop and listen for a moment and act on the calling. So what's an evangelist? Here's a few words that kind of describe what an evangelist is. An evangelist is a messenger. They're, they're all about sharing the message. They want to tell you the good news. They want to tell you all about it. Evangelists are mobilizers. They're about moving forward. They're about moving the vision. They're about moving people closer to Jesus. They're recruiters. They're the ones that say, hey, now that you got saved, why don't you volunteer with me? That ain't a bad thing. That's a good thing. They want you to get connected. Because they know when you volunteer, you're teaching what you're learning. And when you teach what you learn, you become better at what you're learning. Yeah. They're negotiators. 
They'll sit and talk to you. They love conversation. They're preachers. They're achievers. They get the work done. They're marketers. They want the free t-shirt for a reason. They want to wear it out in public and get asked lots of questions about it. I'll tell you right now, those One Step Closer shirts, I wear those things out. Man, I wear them out in the public. I can't help but get asked two or three times, what am I one step closer to? I was at the fair the other day, and I, was like, I wore it, and I was, they were like, oh, look, what, one step closer to what? And I was like, a corn dog. That's what I'm one step closer to right now. But no, but no it was a great moment to lead in and say, I say I'm, you know, that's what our church is about. We're about helping people take one step closer to Jesus. They're organizers. They're miracle workers. They ain't afraid to pray around the spot. They got, you got a problem? Yo, they'll solve it. Say a prayer and let Jesus dissolve it. <clears throat> They're storytellers. They love stories because it connects you. They're communicators. They're motiv- motivational speakers. They're networkers. They love hanging out with people. And the last but not least, the one I struggle with the most, they're bold. They're not afraid to step in. And if they are afraid, they got a lot of trust in God. Because how, you, how many of you know it's a little scary to be an evangelist, to, to stand up and say, guys, we need to pray amongst a whole bunch of people that don't pray. It can be a little nerve-wracking. They're bold. All these words capture and describe in many ways the role of the evangelist. The thing about it is the church is called to be evangelistic. We all are. We're all called to be evangelistic. Like I said, some of us lean to it more than others, but we're all called a little bit to this. We all need to be sharing the good news. Churches that have a strong evangelistic culture have a redemptive, infectious, culture-relevant, and an always hopeful culture about them. They tend to be categorized by a heart for those who don't know Jesus. In these churches, spirituality is equated with a heart for the lost and telling others about Jesus. In churches, they're about, that's what they're about. They're about Reaching the lost, getting people saved, which is needed. But it can't be the only focus. We can't just use the handlebars without the rest of the bike. And so this is what happens if a church leans too much in the evangelistic side. When evangelism dominates the church, we feel like it feels like an Amway convention. We're just running numbers and watching stock climb. That's what we're trying to do saying, all right, got more people saved, going right through the system, but we're not growing them, we're not developing them, we're not walking with them, we're just getting them saved, and that's it. I've been a part of ministries like that. It's like there's a back door to the church that just kind of revolves. People just kind of walk out. There's just no growth. I got saved, but I didn't know where else to go. I didn't know where to go next. They rely on marketing methodology, charismatic leadership, and will very likely be shallow. The church will tend to be pushy, opinionated, and aggressive. That's what happens if if evangelism dominates. There's got to be a balance. All the pieces are needed. All the pieces are needed. As God's people, the church, we are called to represent Christ to our culture, to take a stand to revere and to cherish and obey what he has called us to. 
We are all a part of this, guys. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a minister of Jesus, you're a part of this just as much as anyone else. And maybe evangelism is your thing. Now we know the what. We know what evangelism is. Now we're going to kind of break down how they operate. What do they exist? What do they do? What do they bring to the game? When I explain the how, it's going to help explain the why. Because you're going to see, as you're hearing the how, as you're going, oh, we need that. We need that in the church. We need to have those pieces. So we're going to break down the how. So there's several ways to describe much of the role of evangelism. And here's what they exist for. We'll start with the first one. They exist to communicate. They exist to communicate. Communication enhances the capacity of the whole church to be able to communicate the unfolding story of the church in compelling, accessible, and understandable ways. They love a clear, crisp, clean delivery. They want people to understand. They want people to get it. They exist to communicate. They love making connection with people out in the community. They love talking about Jesus. They're the ones that will sit in a small group and say, let's just keep talking about them. Everybody else is like, I gotta go home. I got kids. It's okay. Jesus loves us. They just want to keep talking. They love communicating. They're good at communicating. They're good at connecting with people when they hear their burdens and their struggles. They also exist to elect, to, I said it wrong. This word's hard for me. I haven't even, I, this is funny, I even have written out the, the pronunciation of it, and it still didn't help me. Elicit is what I meant to say. <clears throat> I literally, I spelt it out next to it. It says A-L-I-S-A-T, so I could use the actual sound of it. They elicit response. They draw out a response from the audience, effectively closing the deal. You see, they, like, they don't just want to tell you about Jesus. They want you to take a step towards him. That's what evangelism, that's what they like. The evangelists love that. They'll sit there and tell you all the great things about Jesus, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I love, that just so, sounds so great. I just, that sounds great. And they're like, does it sound great? Then come with me to church. And they're going, uh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Boom, close the deal. They love that. They want people to take the next step. This may be you. This may stand out to you. They, they draw people out. They draw out the response. They create an invitational culture. They create an invitational culture. The, evangelist, the evangelistic culture invites people to experience what the church is pointing towards. They are all about the taste and see. They don't want you to just hear about it. They want you to experience it. They want you to walk through the same life-changing things that they walk through. They want you to experience God's love and its changing grace. They're all about the taste and see. They're all about, they exist to sneeze the movement message. And that is right, that is sneeze. The note, the person, that, our communication director, she contacted me this weekend and was like, 
uh, was this supposed to say sneeze or seize? And I was like, oh no, it's sneeze. <laughs> it's sneeze. And she's like, okay. And then she texts me back. She goes, oh, I read the notes. It makes more sense now. Sneeze the movement message. Evangelism involves the infectious sharing. <laughs> that's in kids' ministry, all the boys be going, yeah, that's cool. And the girls be going, oh, that's gross. Evangelism involves the infectious, infectious sharing of the movement's core message. They're all about what, we're, what the church is about. They're all about Jesus. They're all about moving forward. They're about that core message. They're the ones that wear the one step closer shirt because they're all about the one step closer. They're all about that movement piece, that movement message. That's why one step closer exists. We created, we, cr- we created that line to help people push the core value forward. It's simple. It's easy to remember. And when people say, man, what is your church about? You say, man, we're about one step closer. And they go, closer to what? Closer to what your next step is, getting closer to Jesus. Maybe it's a closer step for you in your relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's the next step for your relationship with God. Maybe it's your next step in how to lead your kids. What's your next step? I love the finished product, but man, sometimes we focus so much on trying to be perfect and get that finished product, we miss the steps it takes to get there. And, then it be, and to some people, that finished product looks great, but it's not attainable to them. They look at it and go, I'll never be that. I'll never reach that. But if we can present to them a step, I can take a little step. And one more. I can take another one. Oh my word, I'm getting closer to, to what I need, what, what, what the finished product is. We're about those one step closer. We're about taking people those one step closer. And, and evangelist, the evangelist mind loves to push that thought forward. Loves to push the core movement of what the church is going. Let me tell you something. The movement, with, a movement without a core message and someone to share it is going to die. It will. The organization will fall apart. It needs a core message, and it needs someone pushing and driving it forward. Evangelists do that. Maybe that's you. Maybe you see yourself in this. They exist to ensure culture relevance. They make rich use of popular culture, symbols, language, narratives, and ideas to find the gospel keys into the heart of the immediate surrounding culture. They're all about using the newest, latest, greatest ways of reaching people for Christ. Facebook comes up, man, we'll use it. Social media, any social media pieces, man, I'll use it. They're about trying to find the things that connect to the culture of today. As a church, this is why we progressively move towards these new relevant ways of sharing Jesus. We're constantly thinking of new things that we can do to try to get people connected to Jesus. This is why we pushed the internet campus that Pastor talked about a couple weeks ago. We're trying to push an internet campus because we know that people are online and we know that that may connect them to Jesus. And how cool would it be, not just to, li- just to put out a video, but how cool would it be if, if a person could join online on Sunday morning, watch our service online, and when, if they had a question, be able to ask that question right there and a pastor answers and responds within seconds. How cool would that be? That'd be awesome. And you may be saying, well, that's not, that's just, nah, we, you know, we got to keep it the way we keep doing it. Let me tell you this. 
It's a proven fact. The things that reach yesterday's generation will not reach tomorrow's generation. It just won't. It's not that we're trying to be mean. It just won't. And we have to move forward on these things. We have to continually move forward to new relevant pieces. They say 54% of Christian millennials watch online video about faith and spirituality. And that was, that was the statistic in 2017. They say, this is the crazy part, by 2021, that it will be 84%. 84% of, that gener- of this generation coming up is finding their answers about Jesus and God online. They're watching videos. We are trying to make sure that we are connected to that and that we are trying to feed the truth and giving an avenue of connection. They're all about, they're all about developing sticky messaging. They like to make it sticky. They want to make sure that the message sticks in their mind. They like to keep the message simple, surprising, emotional, which in turn creates an enthusiasm and an interest. We do this in kids' ministry all the time. We create an atmosphere that's exciting, that's surprising and fun. Why do we do that? Because we know it connects in their mind. It opens up their brain. We make sure the message is simple and it repetitively speaks over and over again throughout the year. Why do we do that in kids' ministry? Because we want them to get it. We want it to stick. Why do we want it to stick? Because they say by the age of 12, about 80% of students by the age of 12 have already made up their mind of what they're going to believe for the rest of their life. By 12. That gives us 12 years to get something to stick. So yeah, we use this a lot in kids' ministry. But evangelists love to use this too because they want it to stick. They use the emotion part because the emotion sticks to the heart. If I tell you a story that's super emotional, everyone in here sits there and listens and goes, oh my word, I can relate. Why? Because there's emotion in it and it sticks. They use stories. Stories are powerful. What else do they exist for? They exist to present what matters most. They're always pointing back to the basic truth. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. I know we're going to do all these cool events, but don't forget, guys, Jesus is the way. They're always pointing back to that common core message. They're very intentional about that. It's vital that, they all, that we all understand the most, they all, that everybody understands the most important thing, and that is life, the life-changing good news about Jesus. They create branding. All I'm going to say about that is they're all about wearing the t-shirt. They love the branding. They want it to be, there to be connection. They love that the branding helps ask questions. Branding involves the management of how the organization is being perceived and experienced. They want the free t-shirt. They value the individual. The thing about evangelists is they love the individual time. They love to hang out with the person one-on-one and talk to them about Jesus. That is a very valuable time to an evangelist because they know that there's life changing and you have my full attention and I'm giving you my full attention. It's very important to them. They exist to live it out. This is a great one. It's not, it's not just about the verbal proclamation, but it's also about com- being committed to the demonstration of the good news in word, sign, and deed. They don't want you to hear it, just hear it. They want you to see it in them. The way they live is the way they want to demonstrate to you how their life is changed by Jesus. It is good to tell people what you mean 
but it is infinitely, infinitely better to show them what you mean. People are looking for a demonstration, not an explanation. People want to see it. I tell kids all the time, this is the greatest way to share God, to share Jesus, is to live it out. People will pay more attention to that than you trying to preach to them on the street. They live it out. And last but not least, they recruit to the cause. They make sure that the message is transmitted well and is received by the recipients in a way that draws them into the saving story of Jesus. But recruitment is not just about getting people saved to them. It also describes the general capacity to draw people into various other functions of the church. They pull you in to serve. I've had people in my life, I have some great families here, that they are fantastic at this. They hear somebody who just started coming to church, and they're like, hey, have you started volunteering anywhere? And the next thing I know, that family's coming to me saying, hey, uh, I got this name and this name and this name of people that need to volunteer. They love to recruit and pull people in, and I love people like that. Because sometimes it's hard for me to connect with everybody. It's hard for the leaders to connect with everyone. So it's great when that happens. The whole church, in fact, all Christians, are involved in extending the, church, extending the evangelism of the church. But some are called to embody this a little more than others. And those people are the evangelists. So now you know the what, you know the how they operate, and hopefully you see the why they're important. Without the evangelist side of things, we couldn't grow. We wouldn't grow. We need people sharing. We need people carrying the word out. So here's my question. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? And how do you push through it? I asked, a, I called a pastor this last week and I was talking to him about this and I said, man, I just want to ask you a question. What do you think the top three reasons are for people not sharing and not acting in the calling of being an evangelist? And we kind of mulled it over and went through it and talked it out and, and these are kind of what we came up with. So here are three reasons. One, not having the knowledge. A lot of people don't share because they go, I don't have the answers, man. What if I say the wrong thing? What if you ask a really tough questions like, did dinosaurs really exist? I may not have the answer for that. They're afraid they don't have the knowledge. Or they're afraid, they don't, they, or they may not even know that the person is struggling to begin with. They don't have the knowledge of people around them. They don't even know that their coworkers are falling away, that their coworkers are going through the most biggest struggle of their life. They have no idea that's happening. They just don't have the knowledge of it. That's the first reason. So how do we push through those? Well, here's some, apl some, some applicable ways, ways to apply, things to apply, to help you push through that. So we said, you may not know, you may not feel like you have all the information and the knowledge to be able to lead somebody, to be able to talk to somebody about Jesus. Let me tell you this. First off, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't tell you this. Grow yourself. Get in the Word. Read it. Learn it. We have a great program that we run here called Soaping. It's such a great way to keep you accountable and keep you on task in reading. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic way to study God's Word. And what's really cool about Soaping is when I soap, that day I usually end up having a conversation with somebody where that topic comes up and I'm like, dude, I just, talk, I just read about this in the Bible and I have the answer. What the Word says. So I can't skip on without telling you, 
if you feel like you don't have the knowledge, then go find the knowledge. Go read God's word. You can't grow where you don't go. And I'm speaking to myself on that one. What's another way to help you have the knowledge? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Say the Holy Spirit. Say this to me. Say the Holy Spirit is my helper. It's very important that you understand that. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you and help you. It's by the Spirit of God that enables one to carry out the redemptive mission of evangelism. All the disciples were asked to do was let the Holy Spirit have complete charge over all aspects of their life. They weren't asked to have all the answers. They were asked to let the Holy Spirit control them and guide them and give them the words to say. How do you answer the question of maybe you don't know who's struggling around you? Maybe you, let me answer that question for you real quick. Open your eyes. Look around. Stop and listen. Talk to people. But I'm going to give you three ways real quick on how to know if somebody's struggling and you need to talk to them and you need to lean in and give them information and talk to them about Jesus. Three ways. This is Andy Stanley's three ways right here. They're called the three knots. Three knots. So I want you to write this down. Everybody write this down. The first one is not in church. Not in church. The second one is not going well. I know we're at 20 after, so we got about 45 more minutes. Just kidding. And the last one is not prepared. These are the three knots. These are, a, these are trigger phrases. Because I'm cool, and I use cool, cultural, relevant language. <clears throat> these are trigger phrases. So these are what these are for. So when you are talking to somebody and someone's like telling you about their life and what's going on, you've stopped, you're asking questions, you're listening, and you're paying attention. It's very important that you understand. Don't just ask a question and prepare for the next response. Truthfully listen. I think a lot of times we don't listen and we're just preparing ourselves to, to respond. Don't do that. Just listen for a moment. And if you hear one of these three phrases— that is your trigger to act. Man, I just, times are really tough right now. I just, I don't feel, you know, I'm just not in church right now. Boom! Not in church. That's my trigger point. Now, don't go crazy on them, but that's a good trigger point. You know, they're like, man, things aren't just going, they're not going well right now. Boom! There's your trigger point. Man, this thing's coming up and I'm just not prepared. Boom! There's your trigger point. Three, three easy ways to trigger a response, to, to be listening for. If you hear these three knots, jump for it. So how do, what, one last thing on this, one last thing on the piece of not having the information, not having the knowledge. Guys, it's very important you understand this. Your story is your information. Everyone in this room has a story. Everyone in this room has been through things. That story was given to you by God so you can help someone else walk through that same thing. That story is your information. You don't have to know every scripture in the Bible. Just know your story. Just know what God brought you through and use that. The second reason, these last two will go real quick. Second reason is fear of rejection or criticism. We're all afraid of that. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of being criticized. Let me tell you this. If you are serving God and you are doing it right, you're going to be rejected and criticized. It is going to happen. 
but that's hard. How do I deal with that? Well, here's some practical ways you can deal with it. First off, understand that you're going to be criticized and rejected. I sat in an office for years and was criticized and rejected in a cubicle by the, leader, by the guys around me because I believed in Jesus. Over and over, every day. I tried to use words, but I realized that didn't work because they would just turn it and spin it and use it against me. You're going to be rejected. The thing about it is the more successful you become, and when you're stepping towards Jesus, guys, that's success in people's eyes. The more successful you become, the more critics are going to ha- you're going to have. But the thing is, is I'd rather give it a shot and be rejected than not give it a shot and miss out on something amazing. That's something you've got to get in your head. You've just got to remember that. And the last reason, last thing, this is a great one. Go to church. Here's why go to church is so important. Surround yourself with encouraging Christian people. People that are walking with you, that can encourage you. So what ends up happening is you go to work, you get hammered down by all those people, but you get to leave there and come into a group and become encouraged by the people around you. Surround yourself with people that are lifting you up that are praying for you and praying with you and that are walking with you. It's a great way to help face rejection of fear, the fear of rejection and criticism. And the last thing that stops us is my influence doesn't matter. Someone else will do it. My influence doesn't matter. If you think that way, and I'm sure there's people in here that do, if you think that way, guys, I'm gonna tell you right now, that's a lie. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, someone else will do it. Guys, let me tell you this. You're where you're at because God placed you there for a reason. You're around the people that you work around because God needs you in in their lives. He needs you speaking into them. Don't leave it up to someone else. Don't think that someone else will come along and do this. Yeah, God's a great God. He'll figure out another way. He always does. But he placed you where you're at for a reason. You're working in the cubicle next to the person next to you for a reason. You're sitting at the desk across from somebody else for a reason. You're working in that factory next to those other guys for a reason. You're there because Jesus needs you to be a part. He needs you to share your story. He needs you to listen to people's hearts. He needs you to pay attention to what they're saying. And when you hear those trigger words, go, hey, I know something that can make you prepared. I know something that will make it go better. I know someone that can change your life. You're there for a reason. Don't let that pass you by. Don't let fear stop you. Something crazy about me is I'm scared to death to speak in front of adults. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Boldness is not my strength. Communication, I have a hard time with at times. 
but I can't let these moments pass me by. I can't let fear stop me from what God has called me to do. I have to push through and so do you. So the, question, the two questions again, what am I called to do and how do I start? Those are two questions I want you seriously praying about. Some of you in here already know, you've, you've already figured it out, you're already connected. But some people in here, you're probably going, I don't know exactly where I fit or where I'm connected. There's a purpose for every one of you, for every one of us. We all have a reason to be on this planet. Pray and ask God for insight of what it is. We have a church full of open positions for people to serve. We need your help. We need you to step out and say, you know what, I'm gonna start serving here. You know, you may have the talent and the story backing. To, you may be saying, I got talents to talk to people. I love hanging out with new people and introducing myself. We need you in guest services. You may be saying, man, I'm really good at talking in front of crowds. We need you to host. We need your help. We can't do this on our own. Pastor has great dreams and vision and they can't happen. And it's gonna be really hard to make them happen if we don't work together as a team. You may say, I have ability to work with kids. I love speaking to kids. Come talk to me. I could use your help. I have great talent to speak to teenagers. Junior hires understand me. <laughs> sure they do. But maybe you feel that way. I got, we got places for you. Step out. Don't be a sponge that just soaks everything up and comes in and fills a seat for a Sunday and, and doesn't interact and connect back and try, to, and try to invest what they're learning into anyone else. Become a part of what we're doing. Become a part of what God is doing in this place. You have a story for a reason. You have talents for a reason. So I want you to think about these two questions. I want you to pray on them. I seriously want you to take them into consideration. And if you're just a real quick tangent, if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I'd love to take those steps, but I haven't even taken the first step. I haven't even asked Jesus to live in my heart. I haven't started my journey with him. So these questions right now aren't my next step. I, I, I just need to make a connection to Jesus. I need to ask him to forgive me and, and change my heart around. If that's you, we're gonna have a prayer team up here in a minute. And here's the thing. If you feel that in your heart right now, and you're saying, I need to make that step, please do not let Satan make you walk out that door. Do not turn and walk out and say, well, I'll do it next week. Come down here and pray with our prayer team. That's what they'll be here for, to pray with you. Maybe you need prayer in the way of, of I need help listening to the Holy Spirit and trusting him. I need help with fear. I need help with this question, what am I called to do? That's what the prayer team is gonna be here for. So the way you respond is the way you, coming down and praying for prayer team. But I want, to, I want to close with prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you that you're a loving Father that has given us all a purpose and a reason for being here and being on this planet. We are here to further and grow your kingdom. You've given us talents and skills and abilities, and God, we thank you for those. Help us to see where they would be best used. Help us to, ans to answer the question, what am I called to do? And how do I start? 
Lord, lead us to the right paths, connect us to the right people, help us to be bold and step out of our comfort zones. Lord, and if, we're, if there are people in this room that are called to be evangelists for you, Lord, give them boldness, give them bravery, that they will not be afraid to step off the shore and into the deep end. God, I ask you for strength, clarity, and hope, Lord. Lord, I love you. We praise you.